Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 497, Mr. Savage. That's a Woodbine huzzah. Hey, now, $250,000 guaranteed pick five. I guess it's technically the late pick five. There isn't a, a later than this pick five, but it's not the last five races at Woodbine on Saturday. It's races six through ten, so I just want to make sure. Get that information out there. But, Mike, with a 20-cent base, it, first of all, the cost is always funny, right? It's in denominations of 20 cents, but... Uh, we have the same amount here. We're playing a lot more horses than we usually get to play on these pick five shows. Yeah, I kind of like the, the 20 cent base. Um, it, it allows you to kind of get a little kooky in certain spots if you want to really try and beat some favorites. Uh, I know we're both probably going deeper than we would on a 50 cent ticket in a couple places. Um, and I'm trying to, to end this thing with a single just so that I can try and shorten it up a little bit somewhere and try and have some single that's not specifically one of the three very likely singles in the earlier races, which we'll go over here. Uh, I agree with Michael here. It looks like it could chalk out. That's one of the reasons why I said, okay, well, I'm going to single the least likely single used by everybody who is, I'm not going to say not an obvious signal, but uh, the least likely of all the signals. And then you can try and play around some of those favorites. If you're able to get past a couple, it pays out. And if you want to try and play a press ticket, also makes sense to try and take a shot there too, because I do think you can go pretty short, one of the things we talked about heading into this that we should get out in front of before we actually jump into it is the cross entries we've got in two of the stakes races here, Magic. You've got some fillies entered to take on the boys. I actually thought the Philly race came up tougher, so I wouldn't be shocked if we've got a couple of them who stick <laughs> around. But it's pretty tough that, you know, with these entries, we're not sure where some of these horses are running. Yeah, you, the first race has 11 horses but four of them are fillies they're all cross-centered in the talma which is two races later the way i approached it mike i just handicapped it assuming that all four of them are gonna run in the talma and if any of them stay here i'll just say it now just add that to my ticket like whatever it costs i probably played them in the talma so take them off there and move them here uh but you've got the second and fourth morning line choices that could both run here or not run here and so not only that like you have to figure out from a pace perspective you have to look at it a couple different times but you also have fear from the odds like if if the 10 and the uh i forget who the the what number of the affiliate is but uh that we like air rosa but if the the seven, seven i think seven and ten both scratch like all of a sudden like the favorite who's three to one on the morning line is seven to five and then the second choice is eight to five instead of four to one so it just it really throws things off from a ticket building perspective when you're this far out too. Yeah, it does. I, I like I said, I, I think a lot of it depends on what you think of the Euro Invader who's coming in here for the Natalma. You've got Dazzling Star, the One Horse, Charlie Appleby, brilliant William Buick taking the mount, flying in for this. Uh, I think that horse is pretty tough. I, like I think that some of these fillies have a better shot against the boys because I think there's a lot more unproven qualities in some of these boys than the girls. You also have a couple horses coming from New York. I mean, to me, it's just it was a tough field when you're going through that. I was considering going five deep in the in the the Philly side of this versus going two maybe three deep on the cold side. So interesting two races and kind of how it plays out, but definitely something you got to pay attention to race day. Who's in, who's out of which races. And one of the tough parts about this too, is that the race we're going to kick this off with the Phillies, the four of them, two of them are, are key pace players in the summer. And if they're not there, it changes the pace exponentially. And it makes uh, specifically my boy Prince's life a lot easier. 
Uh, by the way, Dazzling Star, I don't think that's the horse that William Buick flew over to ride. There's just two horses that he's riding this weekend, I don't think. I really. I mean, he's that. here to ride her, but he's he's here to ride the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. But I, it's still when Buick sends a horse like this over here. I'm sorry, when Appleby sends a horse like this over here, and it is Buick, you kind of have to respect that horse significantly more than when it's not. I realize Master of the Seas is the reason Buick's in town, but however, I still expect a lot out of this uh, the three year old Colt too, or Philly. Uh, too. Philly. Yeah. The um, it's interesting. Uh, the stat I read on DRF today. Uh, Godolphin and Charlie Appleby horses have won seven straight grade one races there. <laughs> that's, what? that's just insane. Like I remember, I remember modern games winning it, right? And then he had that there was all bar one. Uh, I remember winning. There's, he's won it several times, right? That's obviously seven straight times, but that's just, that's next level. Just grade one at Woodbine, seven straight wins there. That's, oh, makes it very God easy to have a good ROI when you're seven for seven. <laughs> uh anyways let's get into it we do have a couple charlie appleby horses to talk about i forgot we haven't actually officially started so let's get into it buddy right is up Here we go. My first leg of the middle pick five at Woodbine on Saturday, September 16th. Race six is the grade one summer stakes for maybe 11 two-year-olds going a one-turn mile on the outer turf course. It's a winning year for the Breeders' Cup. Juvenile turf, where did you go on top here? Uh, this is this is the race that we talked about a lot in the open here. It's probably affected the most. My boy Prince, the three horse, uh, could be loose on the lead if you lose some of these fillies. I went with a two-horse Carson's run on top. Uh, it's the Christophe Clement horse, who I thought ran really well in the with anticipation. Gallibrand won that, won that race. Uh, she's a horse that I think we're all very high on. I thought she ran really well in that spot. And Carson's run had a very nice second being able to run behind him. Uh, we talked about this last year. I'm not sure if you remember this. It's actually a reason I'm going to be using a Clement horse later. When he was shipping... It was Dylan Davis. That was his guy that he would send to all these different racetracks when his horses were live. And in this case, Dylan Davis getting them out for Clement here. Uh, he actually rode this horse both times at Saratoga, so it makes sense here, not so much with the other one. Uh, I, I think Carson's run here has a very good shot of being able to beat this group. This, the pace is going to be important, though. I, I don't see Carson's run being able to close into a nothing pace, and you need to have something to run into. My boy Prince going to be part of the speed right to the outside. Never been on the turf, never gone this long. There's some question marks there, but man, if he gets loose, I, I don't even think Rosario can screw that one up. <laughs> Famous last words. Um, I, I I had Carson's run as my second choice here. Um, uh, winning his debut, the third place finisher just finished second, I think, last weekend at Kentucky Downs in a main special weight. Looked very good in that spot. So, uh, not only finishing uh, a very nice second to Galabran, but Beat some good horses on the debut there. Uh, yes, I remember your Dylan Davis Clement angle. I, I have that played throughout my ticket here on purpose. Um, my boy Prince was my top pick just because I think if he takes to the turf, look out. Breeding says he should handle the surface, says he should handle the distance, uh, stretching onto this one-turn mile. Uh, it is a little bit of an if, but you know the fact that he's so successful on synthetic makes me uh, have good feelings about this. I am worried what the price is going to be on those two horses, especially my boy Prince if you lose... Uh, Bolt Honoree is the one that I think is the, that's the spot, the fast Philly that could, if she scratches and she probably will, um, 
It's going to make him a lot more likely to run loose on the lead. And that hurts Carson's run's chances, like you said. Uh, I did go three deep here. I used the 11 king of the track as well. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. Again, I don't think 8-1 is anything close to what he'll end up being. But again, like the favorite, if he takes to the turf, look out. He's a super impressive debut winner. Going five and a half furlongs on the synthetic here. He was six to five. One very, very impressively. He's now eight to one on this morning line. And this is the horse that Rafi Hernandez, one of the top riders of Woodbine, chose to ride. He wasn't named on the seven. Didn't ride the eight here. No, this is where he's going to stay for Mark Cassie. A, a really nice stalking trip, especially if, you know, the nine at least, if the nine pushes the three, can tire him out a little bit. Thinking of the track sits right behind them and, and is definitely at least at the top of the turn within range. It's just, was the leader, was my boy Prince worn down or does he have something left to go? So I, I think he'll at least give me a good chance at a nice price. Yeah, I, I looked at king of the track. I don't love the post position. Uh, I realize it's a one-turn mile, so 11 is not the worst you could be because you're not into that post quickly. Uh, but I... I didn't love the price combined with the post, and that's why I ended up leaving King of the Track off. I used the two and what, the three. We talked. About what if he was this from the seven post or the eight post? Because that's what he's looking at being. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in a different Cassie, and that's one of the other reasons I'm not using this horse. Is I don't okay. want to go crazy deep in this spot, and I like a Cassie at a much bigger price, and so I'm I'll <laughs> we'll get there in a second. I use the two and the three. I use the seven Arosa because I think she runs here. I think, like I said, this is an easier spot to me than running against the girls two races later. And so I, I think she ends up in the summer here. I think she has a big shot if she does end up here. So I'm going to use Arosa as well. I went to the one horse, super attentive here at a monster number, 20 to one. Uh, Cassie's sending this one in, puts husbands aboard, which I realize Hernandez, leading rider at the track, Husband's actually his go-to rider in these big type of races. Patrick Husband's rode this one last time, riding back again this time. And if you go and watch that first race, the horse kind of didn't break that great and then was nine wide into the stretch, broke out of the 10 out of 11 poles in a turf sprint. Now we get to go out of the one gate. I'm expecting a little bit more early turn of foot. And the, the kick is there, especially if we stretch out to a mile now after that shorter sprint at 20 to one with the post position upgrade. And the fact that Cassie decides to put a maiden in this one, I'm willing to take a little bit of a shot with that price. Uh, I didn't end up putting him on my ticket, but I did give him a, a long, hard look. And it's actually not the first time in recent uh, history that Mark Cassie has put a maiden into this race. War of Will was second as a maiden in 2018. Um, and I think that shows you what he, th he thinks a lot about this horse, that he puts him in this spot. And you saw that he did that with War of Will. I also think it does. It shows a little bit the cl the class level of the horses that are in here that he's like i got a maiden he could probably get grade one placing it too right now um but he is bred for it, right kittens joy giants causeway mayor um i'm worried this is gonna be a little bit too much before he gains confidence but i did there were things to like in that maiden debut where i i thought the whole backstretch he was just screwing around like he, mm -hmm. he was just kind of like out there having fun and it's like the 5 16th pole in the turn you can just like suddenly see him go oh okay now i'm gonna run like the adrenaline kicked in on him and then he was going at that point he just had left himself too much to do but i'm definitely not using here i get using him i'm not gonna poo poo you for it i'm curious to see what happens with this horse as a three-year-old regardless of how he does here i think he's got a bright future uh for cassie in this spot so yeah i went three two eleven you are uh see two three one seven one there you go. Okay, make sure I get that one right. All right, let's move on. Second leg of the pick five 
at Wood, the second pick five at Woodbine on Saturday, September 16th. Race seven, this is the grade three vigil stakes where we've got a field of eight older males going six for, oh, sorry, actually, there's a three-year-old in here uh, going six furlongs on the synthetic. Um, I didn't use that three-year-old, and he is the seven to five favorite. Patches of Houlihan, love the name. Bless him for the name. Didn't use him here. Where'd you go on top? Yeah, we're both going to fade the Patches of Houlihan here. It was interesting. Ooh, we're both uh, doing it. Okay. So Patches of Houlihan won on a tournament day at Woodbine. So last time Patches of Houlihan run, ran was a tournament day. So there's a major tournament there. I know a bunch of us were playing it. Um, this was a horse that won. I thought won impressively. And I picked that day. I thought it set up well for him. I don't think the setup is very good for Patches Ohulahan today. I think that's the big difference. You saw he was able to get out to a four-length lead going 44-3, and three, kind of get comfortable up front. I got a little leg-weary and then was able mm -hmm. to spurt away there going the six and a half, cutting back to six. I think that's a benefit. But the negative here is there's a lot of other speed signed on in this spot. I don't think that getting that same pace, this horse gets loose. One, Rockcrest, I think, has a ton of early pace here. Um, and there's one other horse. So let me scroll down if you remember who it is here. Who's going to, I think, press. That's the eight. Uh, my buddy B, who I don't think has any mm -hmm. chance of winning. But <laughs> will definitely be part of the pace presence. And that, to me, is a problem for Patches O'Houlihan. I put the seven outlaw kid on top here. Uh, Weaver, we've seen him just absolutely killing it down at Saratoga, mainly with younger horses, but all of his horses have been running fairly well. Coming off a five furlong win over the turf course here. Don't see the six furlongs as being an issue. Violence, violence. 15% on synthetic, so synthetic switch, no issue there as well for this horse. Uh, don't love the five to two price. Think we're going to get a little bit higher on race day, to be honest with you, because I think Patch Sohulahan goes off as a pretty strong favorite in this spot. Uh, but I'm going I'm to go with Outlaw Kid on top, and I'm going to team him up with a couple prices underneath as well. Uh, I agree with you here on Outlaw Kid as my top pick as well. I went too deep, and we agreed on that one as well. I, I, it's nice to see Kaz Kamira keep them out for George Weaver as well. Kaz Kamira was uh, super impressive with how he was finished up at Santa Anita in the spring meet. I really hope he comes back and does that again because he was riding super well by the end of that meet there. Uh, since being gelded, Outlaw Kid, four wins in the third and seven turf sprints, including winning that five furlong inner turf stakes that you mentioned last out. Uh, next up, and the only other horse I used, number two, Old Chestnut at eight to one. And I, boy, I remember betting this horse at Woodbine as a two year old in 2019. Since he got claimed by Martin Drexler, who has two in here, uh, he's run well in all three of the synthetic sprints that he's been in. He beat Allowance Horses, finished third in two different grade three stakes that were both paceless. And that was to his complete detriment. But I agree with you on everything you said about Patches O'Houlihan. This is not set up well for him right now. If the one and the eight stay in here, I think those two soften up Patches O'Houlihan. I think it sets up perfectly for Old Chestnut to come from off the pace and finally be a stakes winner once more. Give me Old Chestnut. I love that old guy. I like Old Chestnut here as well. It's funny. They both, the two and the three, Old Chestnut and Super Watson, both in that Patches O'Houlihan race last time. I played them both in that race as well underneath Patches, and they ended up running, I think it was third and fifth, something like that. So I wasn't able to get my exact yeah. at home. I like them both as a shot to win it here. I think both of the Drexlers are live in this spot. They're going to be the other two horses I use. Old Chestnut, for all the reasons you mentioned, it just the last two races are better than they look on paper, specifically because he just couldn't run into anything. And so the, when you have those gate-to-wire winners, it's hard for a horse like this who wants to sit and close to be able to do that because no one is doing the dirty work on the whoever the leader is. And so I think Old Chestnut gets a much better setup here. Super Watson, to me, the key here is six furlongs. Uh, that last race was at six and a half, ended up running fifth. If you look at six furlongs for the career, five races, three wins, two seconds. Uh, has won at six and a half before, but all of the best races are at six furlongs here. We're cutting back to that six 
six furlong distance today. I think this is a good spot. And I like the faith that uh, Drexler or Martin Drexler has here as well. This is a six-year-old who's kind of danced all the dances, 30 career races, has eight wins, earned over $325,000. Going back into graded stakes when you don't really have to do that, I think is awfully interesting here. So running this horse right back into a grade three kind of tells you that Drexler Martin also, or Martin Drexler, flipping around, also mm-hmm. didn't think that there was very much pace in that last race and that this is going to set up better for these two. So I'll, I'll take both of the Drexlers here uh, and just go two, three, seven. I did look at Super Watson, didn't make my ticket, but uh, you made good points and I can't really poo-poo. I just, other than I think this graded stakes level is a little too high for him, but we'll see if he can improve from last out because it, it just it didn't set up well for him, but <clears throat> I like the way that Old Chestnut ran in that a lot better. Uh, third leg of the... <laughs> Uh, Chris Manlow says, I knew a girl in college we called Old Chestnut. Not getting into that story. That's probably for the best. Race eight, the third leg of this big five. This is the Johnny Walker Natal mistakes. I'm going to have to bust out my Johnny Walker for that. Uh, mile on the turf for two-year-old Phillies. Breers Cup winning year in for the juvenile Phillies turf. And field of potentially 15 two-year-olds going this one-turn mile. What do you think about this? I think this race is wide open. I, I, I thought, like I said, I thought this race was more difficult than the Colt race, two races before, not just from a handicapping perspective, but from a talent perspective too. I put Brock Nardi on top here, or Brock Nardini on top here, the four horse uh, for George Weaver. I mentioned how well George Weaver has been going with two-year-olds. This was one of the most impressive ones he had at Saratoga. A lot of his success in New York was running these horses at six furlongs and five and a half furlong turf sprints first time out. With Brock Nardini, this is the only one he went long with first time out. And the horse won... And an absolute gallop. And we've already had one horse win next time out. uh, uh, Next time out, uh, coming out of that race, the horse who ran third came back to win. This was under wraps. I'm talking like fully under wraps for her. So she looked awesome in her debut. Uh, I read Ortiz rode for Weaver that day. I read Ortiz does not ride for Weaver very often. So the fact that he took them out, kind of tipped the hand how good the horse was going to be. You got Carol aboard today. I think it's all systems going. I love the 12 to 1 price. Uh, I didn't use this one, but I, I can see why you like her in the spot. I just, this race to me, like, it's so tough, like you mentioned. I, th- I think you can make a case for just about it, every single horse in here. So um, I, I think I might have liked her a little bit better if she had a different jockey aboard other than Declan Carroll. No knock on it, but He's I think that bad. there are some better jockeys. Um, he did have, She did have Irad riding on debut. He doesn't ride for George Weaver very often, so, um, you know, got that going for her. I put Arosa on top if she runs in this spot. If she doesn't, I'll replace her with Brock Nardini. Uh, I, th- I think that was a great case you made for her. But uh, Arosa, Mike made a great case for her earlier. You got the top local jockey trainer combo in Kevin Adderd and Rafi Hernandez. Won the catch a glimpse stakes last out. Uh, she's beaten multiple rivals in here. So I like her, but I agree with you that it's it does feel like a tougher spot. I think the morning line reflects that too. She was seven to two against the boys, and she's four to one <laughs> against the Phillies. It's, you don't usually see that too often, but uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, next up for me, number twelve, Ozara, ten to one. Broker made non debut going two turns, which you know, like with Brock Nardini, not an easy thing for any horse to do. Beat an even money favorite that day. Weigh the risk for Chad Brown. Weigh the risk. Return to break her maiden going to mile on the sixteenth at Saratoga. You got the Clement, Dylan Davis at Woodbine Angle that you brought up before. So I got Ozara in second. Did she at least make your ticket? That was my number three horse here. This is and this is hey the now. funny part. Like 
I had Erosa is second against the boys. I have her fourth against the girls. <laughs> so it just kind of shows you how much more depth I thought there was to this field. Yeah, Erosa, for all the same reasons you mentioned, the way the wrist came back looked good. I, I think that's a very good Chad Brown. Erosa uh, broke out of the nine post, by the way, going a mile and 16th over Saratoga's turf course. That's not easy to do, to break out of the nine and be able to win. She was able to do that first time out. So I thought that she ran very well in that spot. Again, love the 10 to 1 price. going to be interesting to see what actually happens here from a betting perspective. Uh, you've got your favorite on the rail, Dazzling Star, who's my second pick in this race, uh, who's 3 to 1. No price higher than 20 to 1. You're going to get some prices higher than 20 to 1. These odds are going to shift a lot uh, once mm -hmm. we see who's in and who is out of this race. I'm hoping that both Arosa and Brock Nardini are both double digits. I'm expecting they're both going to be somewhere in that 6 to 8 to 1 range, though, when they actually break from the gate. Um, let's talk about Dazzling Star because I know we both used her here. I wasn't in love with her like I've been in love with some Appleby horses. Maybe that's a good thing. I've been in love with a lot of Appleby horses this year, and it has not worked out well. But Aaron made a great point earlier that uh, it's not like Charlie Appleby suddenly forgot how to train horses. He just he just got on a losing streak. Some things happened. Some races were up against his horses, but uh, this is. I think the fact this is at a one-turn mile is good for her. I don't think that she's a two-turn horse. She's a daughter of one of my favorite Royal Ascot horses ever, Blue Point. Uh, if you remember, he won the Diamond Jubilee and the King Stand in the same week. It was like five days apart. He won back-to-back -back Group 1 races at Royal Ascot in 2019. Uh, Could have gone to the Breeders' Cup Tour Sprint. They decided to retire him. They're like, there's nothing left for him to do. And I was like, yes, there is. Get his ass Come to America because it was yeah. at Santa Anita. And I was going to be able to go back and see him on the backside every day. And I was in love with that horse. I was very sad. So anyways, he's a sprinter. She's got the Dubawi mare uh, influence underneath. So I think that's going to help her with a one-turn mile. But I think that's best for her. And I'm hoping that, you know, the reason she didn't perform well at Ascot last out, Mike, is that she hated the yielding and that she'll do better with a firm turf course here. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a positive. She also forwardly placed. I think it's good for her that she has some speed in against this field, so she's not going to be coming from the absolute clouds there as well. Um, so we'll see if, if she is able to use that speed. I just respect Appleby. When he sends one over like this, generally they're going to run really well. A, mm -hmm. a fourth-place finish at Ascot and switching over against this group in the Natalma, to me, is a pretty deserving favorite, especially after being able to win in Newmarket. Buick's ridden every single time this horse has gone postward. I, you mentioned Blue Point on the top side, Dubawi on the bottom side. I mean, this horse is absolutely regally bred to be a superstar as well. I, to me, the fact that you're bringing her over, you didn't bring any of the boy, two-year-old boys over, and this is the one you chose to send over with the, the star that we're going to talk about in the next race, um, Master of the Seas, Kind of tells you what you what he thinks of Dazzling Star as well. You mentioned at the top of the show, seven for seven uh, in the last seven grade ones at Woodbine as well. So he's not sending losers over here to Woodbine. I, I just, I can't leave this one off. I don't think you're getting three to one. I think this one gets bet down. If I'm betting a win bet, I'm probably playing against this horse. But if you're playing Maltese, I'm not sure how you keep this one off. Uh, we, did we touch on your, you went four deep, right? Yeah, I, I went four slash five deep. So what I'm going to do okay. is I'm going to use Erosa depending on where she is. I think she's going to be in with the boys. If she's not, I'll go three deep there with the one, the three, and the or one, two, three, and then I'll go five deep in this spot. Um, I, I'm going to play the eight ready to jam too. The eight is uh, out for Mark Cassie. This is the horse that actually lost to Arosa last time out. But if you look at the numbers, was actually the favorite in that race. It was a $1.55 favorite against Arosa in the catch a glimpse. I thought ran really well. Both of them, both Arosa and Ready to Jam, had a little bit of issues. Arosa had to wait for room, was able to split and eventually get up there. 
uh, ready to jam kind of was in between horses the entire stretch for two-year-olds neither of those are ideal you want to be wide and loose in those stretches that's when you're going to see the two-year-olds run the best uh, as you mature you see the horses make those type of moves more but early on in the, the career it's a little tougher I think the eight ready to jam has a ton of talent didn't love the trip that uh, that he got last time like the 10 to 1 price especially when you look at Erosa, who's four to one and, and ready to jams 10 to one last time out ready to jam was half the price and I thought they had about the same t- style trip only a length difference in a big field I'll, I'll use them both instead of just using the six yeah this one worries me a little bit because I didn't use her but I know Mark Cassie is high on her uh as well and uh you know big owners for him Gary Barber and DJ Stable and I he was disappointed in her in the catch a glimpse because he thought Mark Cassie thought that he had a winner and ready to jam and so did the betters. They didn't get it that day. But she does worry me a bit in here because I know how high Mark Cassie has been uh, on Ready to Jam. Uh, I, I ended up going six deep in here. I'll go through the last three pretty quickly. Number nine, go with Gusto. They're all longer shots. Go with Gusto, 20 to 1. Technically still a maiden, but you can't tell her that. She crossed the wire first on debut over this exact course and distance. She crushed her opponents by an easy length and a half. I don't know if you saw the replay, Mike. I thought the DQ was yeah. shaky. It was, yeah, it was a bit touch. If that, let's just say, if that was in New York, they're not even looking at it. Like, there's zero question. They just let that fly. Uh, super well bred Philly. She's by Medagliadoro out of a Giants Causeway mare. She's actually a half to a Pegasus World Cup winner. Can you figure out who? No, oh, jeez. It's on. the one I always forget won the Pegasus World Cup, and that's Mucho Gusto. Oh, that's why I go with Gusto. Give me a chance. And I didn't think you were going to get there. I would have gotten, <laughs> if the name's Gusto, I would have got, or Gusto, I would have gotten there. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I always forget Mucho Gusto won the Pegasus World Cup. But anyways, this is his baby sister. Uh, two more for me. Number 11, she feels pretty at 20 to 1. Broke her maiden at on debut at Alice. Nailed a 3 to 1 favorite who was loose on the lead. I thought that was impressive with Woodbine having that very long turf stretch. I think that's a quality that's going to be necessary to get the win here. Three horses from that race won their next starts, including the runner-up. And then I also threw on the first time North American Chad Brown horse. Number 13, Dea Matrona. At 10 to 1, probably going to get bet pretty hard because it's Joel Rosario, Chad Brown, throwing this horse. First time North America is straight into a grade one. And she's got to be like, she's got to have talent, right? I looked back at her previous races and horses coming out of them have just been dog shit in yep. France. But <laughs> like, they've all been just terrible. But it's Chad, like what if, if she's terrible, Chad Brown wouldn't send her here, right? Well, or would he? I mean, that's like does she does she have to quarantine in Toronto anyways when they're shipping her in from Europe? And he's like, I could just like throw her on the track. <laughs> well, it's the magic angle. Like, well, where where in Europe have they been running? Not very good French tracks is where this one's been running. Not like the top tier and, and yeah. non stakes companies as well. You've seen these lower level maiden races for twenty thousand dollars. Who was training them in Europe? Nope, not really someone that you're like, oh, that's one of the guys who sends. So it's kind of one of those horses that's that's coming out of nowhere. And now it goes to Chad Brown. I I agree with you. The horse gets bet down because of the connections. I would want a bigger price than 10 to 1 to play this horse. And so that's why, even though I looked at it, I didn't really consider it. I do agree with you on the 11. I, I think she feels pretty, feels pretty sneaky here. Uh, 20 to 1 on the morning line, like you said. Sherry DeVoe, uh, someone who knows how to train horses, one of Chad Brown's ex-assistants. And Velasquez picks up the mount. I, I like the fact that you called out too. chase down a loose leader in that race. A lot of times you don't see horses, especially on debut, be able to make up eight lengths and half a mile against a loose leader who's the favorite as well. So there's definitely some talent and she feels pretty. I'm just not sure if uh, if she's right, quite ready to, to take these on. 
Yeah, it is a big step up for him. You know, 20 to 1 with the, the 20-cent base, uh, it kind of works out. By the way, the person who trained her before, um, Dea Matrona, the trainer before, is Christoph Head, who trained Blue Rose Sen, who is a super uh, turf sprinter over in Europe right now. But um, he's not one of the, I knew what you meant. He's not like an Appleby. Uh, he's not one of the O'Briens. He's not Gur Lions. Like, he's not one of those guys. That's what you're getting at. Yeah, he's not one of the the household names, right? Where you're like, oh, well, they're switching from them to Chad Brown, and then you're you're a little more interested. Yet we'll see what happens with Christopher Head uh, if you follow French racing. The penultimate leg of this pick five at Woodbine on Saturday, September sixteenth. Race nine is the Woodbine Mile, a Grade One race, a British Cup win, and you're in for the mile and just a field of six older males for this race. Uh, the big star here is your even money favorite on the morning line, Master of the Seas. For Charlie Appleby, William Buick, they teamed up to win this race last year with Modern Games and just a, Mwah! oh, God, that was such a beautiful effort from that beautiful horse. Uh, Master of the Seas, can he repeat? Possibly. Neither of us singled him, though, did we, Mike? No, I, this is, look, this is going to be the most singled horse, period. End of the story. Yep. Like, this is, And so I wanted to try and take a little bit of a shot against Master of the Seas here. Try to come up in my head with how can I see Master of the Seas losing? Um, obviously, not taking the track as possible, but highly unlikely. Uh mm -hmm. To me, it was okay. You're going to have to either outkick him late or be faster than him early. It looks like my C Cottage is going to be your clear pace setter here, the five horse. I was really impressed with the two War Bomber last time out. I thought that King Edward was a very, very good one-mile race. Horses looked phenomenal the two last two efforts on turf. Uh, it had a nice break in between the four- and five-year-old season. Has been a better horse here as a five-year-old. Uh, and if we can take one more step forward, I think kind of fits with this field uh, and should get the best trip of everybody because you're going to see my sea cottage go out, take the lead. War Bomber is going to sit the closest. Master of the Sea is going to want to try and come from off the pace. The question here, right, is can War Bomber get the jump and then hold off Master of the Seas? Because I do think War Bomber hits the lead at some point in the stretch. It's just whether or not he holds on to that lead once he gets there. If this was a like your average grade two race at Woodbine and it's War Bomber versus a bunch of Woodbine horses, I think he's my top pick in here. Problem is, I haven't ranked third. The problem is he's not facing Woodbine horses. He's facing a horse in Charlie that Charlie Appleby's sending over uh, who won the uh, the Group 2 mile race at Ascot in July and just absolutely destroyed them. Uh, by the way, that race, it was a one-turn setup with a very long stretch, so a very similar setup to what he'll have here. He just has to turn left instead of turning right that day, but hopefully he can handle turning left. Um, I, I, I love Master of the Seas so much. I was going to say, if you're a longtime Magic Mike listener, you know the answer to that question. Who was Sergei Bobrovsky? No, not Sergei Bobrovsky. Sergei, who was that? It was the Usher Murphy horse. Yeah. You asked uh, if the horses could turn the opposite direction. What Breeders' Cup was that? In that 2018? Uh-huh. I think uh -huh. it was that. Because yeah. I was in Kentucky. Yep. yep. <laughs> so he looked uh, like first, it, that morning was also the first time I ever saw Acacia Courtney in person. Uh just things you don't remember um, or don't ever forget. Master of the Seas, though, uh, you can't forget what that effort was like at Ascot if you saw it. Very impressive. Uh, the other horse I use, number four, Ice Chocolat, because I think other than Master of the Seas, this is a big class drop for Ice Chocolat. It, you know, 92 morning line, uh, third choice on a horse that was facing Casa Creed Annapolis. Third, very good third behind him. Casa Creed Annapolis, a head away from being a third behind them. Caravel, big invasion. Casa Creed shows up. Like he's been facing the best turf sprinters on the the eastern half of America and doing well against them. And now it comes up here. And if Master of the Seas is not 
like this superstar horse, Ice Chocolate to me is the most likely winner. Uh, I wouldn't say most likely, but he's the other one I'm using as well. I'm going one, two, four here in this spot. I think they make the most sense. Uh, and and I, again, I think Master of the Seas probably wins this race, but I want to take a shot against the Maltese. Who did you wait? Who did you use here? You want Master of the Seas War Bomber? Who's the third horse? Ice Chocolate. The four. Oh, sorry. I miss. I misunderstood what you were saying there. Um, there is a little bit of worry that I have about the pace with with Ice Chocolate, which is funny because Master of the Seas, you're not sure where he's going to come from. But uh, when he won at Ascot, he was last. Didn't seem to bother him. But um, I, I did consider using my Sea Cottage here just because of the pace. And then I looked it back at like, all right, yeah, he was in that Casa Creed Annapolis race, but they got six furlongs into that, and he was like, I'm going to go visit my Sea Cottage now. I'm done <laughs> done working for the day. Hold on one second. Uh-oh. Mike's getting a hot betting tip. No, not so much. Uh, For the podcast listeners, now Mike is taking yeah. off his shirt very slowly. <laughs> I'm, I'm organizing babysitting right now because oh. Jenna is out picking up Lily, but the babysitter's ringing the doorbell. And so I'm texting them to let them know. That's actually what gotcha. I'm doing. Gotcha. Yeah, dad's gotcha. stuff right here. Anyway, my sea cottage. Any consideration, or do you like me? You think after about six furlongs, this horse is going to toss it in? Uh look. I if there was if War Bomber wasn't in the race, I would actually give my sea cottage more of a chance. But I just I don't see if because like if you have a situation where my sea cottage can go as slow as he wants and has a four or five length lead and then is able to just try and sprint away. Okay, fine. But the fact that there is someone else who I think is good who is close makes it tough for me to really back my sea cottage. Were you surprised that Cheryl's spite here was five to two? Very much so. Uh, I, I, it's all off especially that, because Ice Chocolate's right? bringing in that kind of class, right? Yeah. Like, it's all off the Keeneland effort where he ran second to modern games, but was 55 to one that day. So five to two seemed a little wild to me here. And then, I mean, he did win the Maker's Mark Mile earlier in the year, but that was way back at the beginning of the year. Did not run overseas. Um, <clears throat> did not run well overseas, I should say. And then came back and had a fever. And they blamed the fever for why he didn't run well in the King Edward last out. But I five to two, yeah, off of that effort there. When you know two of the three horses ahead of him that day are back in this spot, it didn't no. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to me, it's did you? So do you like the one? Like, is this a cold exactor race for you? What do you mean? Would you? I, well, I mean, do, are you looking at some playing something cold in this race? Or are you looking oh, for the single race? Sorry, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I think I would do a yeah, probably like a one four exacta. See, I, I I like the one two four or one one four two try. I think that because like I I don't that's I think good. You can run Cheryl Spite out. I don't think Lucky Score or my Sea Cottage are able to hit the board. So I think if you look at the one two four and you figure out what the order is and you play it straight, you can get some value specifically for running that three out. No, let me ask you this about value, and then we can move on. Uh, is it better to do if you're going to get the get the second choice, Cheryl Spite out? Is it okay to box in the try? So do like Key Master of the Seas on top, and then do two four two four, or is it is there not enough value, and you should just play it straight? I would I would wait it. So like if you let's say you like like I like War Bomber more, I would play it fifty bucks one two four and twenty five one four two. Okay. Um, so that you just wait it so that your opinion still shows in the try that you're paying playing um, for me is because war bomber also six to one versus the nine to two on ice shock a lot. I want to make sure I have more there because if you're playing top 
selection over fourth over third, the payout's not going to be terrible considering you're running the second number two or second lowest morning line out. And you're also running, not putting the third morning line in that second spot. So I, I would play one, two, four, but if I, if I'm going to wait it, if I'm going to flip it, I would make sure I wait the try. So I'm playing more on the version I like, but still getting paid if it goes the other way. Perfect. Thank you for that explanation. Fifth and final leg of the middle pick five at Woodbine on Saturday, September 16th, race 10. Eight older males routing a mile and an eighth on the synthetic at the N1X level, at allowance level. And if you've been paying attention, you know this is where Mike Samich has his single. Tell me about J.P. Hellish. Yeah, I'm not going to get creative here. Look, J.P. Hellish is dead loan speed, like dead loan speed. And I just don't see how the six, who's Cruden Bay, who is your only really other speed horse here, the only horse that could press J.P. Hellish, is going to be able to do the dirty work and then finish the job and get the win. And so it feels like you're going to see Cruden Bay try and put token pressure on J.P. Hellish and then turn for home, and J.P. Hellish is just going to absolutely run away from him. I actually really like the 1-6 exact the cold here, too. I think this could be a merry-go-round with the two of them up front. Uh, but to me, J.P. Hellish singled up 2-1. to one. And, and the reason I like singling this horse versus singling the one in the last race or singling the Applebee in the race prior to that or even singling the three in the two or the two in the first race, this will be the least singled horse of those singles, right? Of the, the possible singles, J.P. Hellish is going to be the least singled because of the level, right? There, people are going mm -hmm. to focus on specifically Master of the Seas. But even in those other races, I do think people like to say, oh, I'm going to take a single shot. This is going to be a race where people think, oh, I'm going to try and spread around J.P. Hellish. And one reason why I kind of believe that last race from J.P. Hellish, where he absolutely freaked on the synthetic here at Woodbine, we've talked a lot about the synthetic at Gulfstream. And what do we always say? Two turns synthetic at Gulfstream. Really tough to go gate to wire. That's what J.P. Hellish tried to do like six times in a row. Basically banged his head against the wall six straight times <laughs> in a track that was dead against what his style is. The first time he goes to Woodbine, what does he do? He just absolutely freaks on the front end. I, I can make a logical argument as to why that's a legit race. And that, to me, means makes it a pretty easy single from here. me here as Lone Speed. And the fact that it was his first start for the trainer, Martin Drexler, had nothing to do with that, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I, listen, I'm with this as my top pick. All eight career wins of this horse's 43 start career. They've all been at two turns. So even though he doesn't have a mile and an eighth win on synthetic, you can point to and say, yes, look, right here, he can do it. He should be able to do it. Yeah, um, yeah you know, uh, he did miss hitting the board by a nose in the floor bread stakes uh, way back earlier in his career. I was on turf. Finished second in two claiming races at Monmouth Park at the distance, despite not getting the lead in one of them. I thought that was kind of impressive. Uh, but you nailed it. Trying to get trying to go get to where the Gulfstream Park on the turf. It actually it almost almost worked. He did get the win in the off turf race there that he was technically second early, but he was right up there on the front. Um every other I did use the go ahead. had the lead and then just ends up fading to fourth or third or fifth or whatever it is but had the yeah. lead and then just couldn't finish because no one finishes on that synthetic course down there at Gulfstream when you're on the lead um i did go too deep i used the number eight call kurt at seven to two and not just because of the name uh but if the one loses somehow i think it's because you have a horse like the two uh who's you know stretching out to a mile and an eighth after a bunch of six and six and a half furlong sprints Someone like that goes out there and puts some dumb, stupid pressure on the one and or maybe even stops him from getting to the front. Uh, although I, th I think he's the fastest horse like you do. If he loses, it's because of that happening. And then, then it sets up for a horse like Call Kurt, who needs pace pressure or pace collapses to be able to succeed. All four stars since he got claimed by Kevin Adderd. The first two were second place finishes. 
the last two were both well-beaten thirds, but neither of those did he have a favorable pace setup. Uh, he has potential. He's got ability. I think that he'll come running late. Um, I'm also with you that I think Cruden Bay, like, can you just key him? Whoever you like in this race, key Cruden Bay in second in an exotic and just put, sprinkle everybody else that you like around him because there's, like, what, a win in eight seconds in his last 10 starts on the synthetic. <laughs> that's that's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's it, he. He's gonna run second. He's beaten Colkert the last two times. I mean, I I could even make it one six eight or one six five cold try here. Argument as well. Uh, William yeah. asks career best last time after ninety nine day layoff bounce. Um, here's the thing. It's definitely a possibility. It's the mm-hmm. lone speed that makes me a lot less scared of it because once a horse gets comfortable, you can see those type of things. And and again. I'm not sure that was his career best effort. I realize it's his career best buyer. It's close. It's it's the time form is a lot closer than the buyers are. And again, the some of the efforts at Gulfstream where he wins or runs second when he's on the lead, I think are actually better efforts than at going gate to wire uh, when you're at going one turn at Woodbine as well. So just because of the setup as well, I don't think it's that drastically above what he's run in his career. And the other piece of it is, uh, if you go okay, well, let's say he bounces off it and declines ten percent. A ten percent decline in buyer is still higher than any buyer anyone's put up in this race. There's no other eighty sixes that are going to be found on the rest of these horses. So it's even with a ten percent bounce. If you say that that last number is one hundred percent accurate, then he's still as good or better than everybody else in this field. And so for me, it's mainly the pace and the fact that like that buyer feels outlierish. I don't think that that's what he ran, but I don't think that's what he needs to run to win this race either. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about Woodbine's biggest uh, biggest Saturday of grade one racing, that's for sure, uh, with the Woodbine Mile, the Summer Stakes, the Natalma Stakes, Breeders' Cup winning your in-prep races. We'll have full coverage of those races over at RacingDudes.com and YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. If you are watching us on YouTube, thanks for joining us. Hit like on the video, subscribe if you haven't yet, and take a look down below. For our podcast listeners, we'll read out our tickets one last time. I will start. I'm going to go 2 3 11 with 2-7, with 1-6-9-11-12-13, with 1-4, with 1-8. That's $28.80, Mike, for 20 cent base. I'm going to do the same thing, 20 cents. Uh, it says 50, but we're just doing 20. I'm going to go 1-2-3-7, with 2-3-7, with 1-4-8-12, with 1-2-4, with 1. It'll cost you $28.80 for 20 cents if... Erosima, or if the seven scratches out of the first leg, I'm going to add the eight, which is the same horse, in the third leg. Uh, so I'll just use her wherever she runs, uh, and that may switch up the ticket cost a little bit, but same idea there. Just move her from the first to the third leg. And similar for me, uh, if any filly stays in the uh, summer instead of scratching run the Natalma, just throw her, throw her whoever she is, even if they didn't use the Natalma, because somebody thinks she's good enough to run in that race against the boys. Uh, who am I to second guess them over at racingdudes.com? You can get previews from Aaron Halterman for the Summer Stakes, the Natalma, and the uh, Woodbine Mile as well. By the way, forgot to bring this up during the show. Did you remember Master of the Seas was actually here for a Breeders' Cup race in 2021? No. That's what that picture's from. He was training for the 2021 Breeders' Cup Mile at Del Mar the day after Modern Gate, or not, yeah. It was in 2020, sorry. The day after Modern Games... um, Fiasco. Yeah, that fiasco happened. The same thing happened in in the... uh, Sorry, in the mile. Master of the Seas was a three-year-old. He flipped in the gate, hit his head, they scratched him, and Modern Games went out and aired. That's what happened. It was... uh, Huh. A a beer? I can't remember who... Beer won the turf that year. 
over Broom. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Anyways, yeah, Master of the Seas. That's why he's he's got Breeders' Cup turf uh, or Breeders' Cup mile uh, saddlecloth there because he was here in 2021. He was in the starting gate, smashed his head, and they scratched it. Huh. I know. I didn't remember him. I didn't remember the deck. I, like, I couldn't remember him running, so I'm not surprised because he didn't run. Did you also realize, Mike, that the first Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks prep races of the year are here? That's right. You can go check out somewhere on here the, the iroquois stakes and the uh not you'll have to look a little harder race previews the iroquois stakes and the pocahontas stakes we have previews for those here at racingdudes.com and youtube.com slash racing dudes uh but what's great about those mike is like i've said it's the first kentucky derby kentucky oaks prep race of the year so hey maybe we'll see the derby oaks winners for next year racing this weekend at churchill downs oh or we won't but we will see a kenny mcpeak win at 20 to 1 definitely somewhere on that card find a mcpeak long shot and just find every mcpeak long shot play him blindly at least one of them's bound to hit right <laughs> uh check out blinkers off uh for the uh kentucky derby prep they talked about the iroquois stakes and the pocahontas on the picture there is risk it who was a super impressive winner uh for winchell thoroughbreds watch out for him in the iroquois stakes uh do you have any thoughts or opinions mike on the fact that they changed the iroquois and pocahontas they are now one-turn miles instead of two-turn mile in the 16th dirt races? I think you'll get more consistency in the results. I mean, we, we had some random results in these races over the years, and you never saw horses take step forward off them. You think about the hopeful that was just run at Saratoga, that's seven furlongs. It's hard for these two-year-olds to go two turns right now. Uh, and a lot of trainers just won't put their horses in those type of two-turn races quite yet as well. So I like the idea of going a mile distance and kind of setting up for the Breeders' Cup where you're going to go two turns. Uh, later tonight, it's the Eagles and it's the Vikings with Thursday Night Football. Do you have any thoughts on that one? I like the Jalen Hurts over 44, 44 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, I, I tagged the over a little bit. Uh, it's more of a, a pizza money bet than an actual bet for me, just so I have something when I'm watching the game. I, everyone I know likes DeAndre Swift to go over his 33 and a half rushing yard prop. Uh, when the whole world likes something, I generally will not bet it, although I, I've heard that one a lot. Uh I'm going to be very interested in in-game betting. I'm actually writing an article right now for VEASAN for in-game betting. And there are two scenarios where I look to in-game betting. It's when there's offensive line injuries or when there's secondary injuries. And ironically, we have a perfect storm where the Minnesota Vikings are out two offensive linemen, including their starting center. And the secondary for the Philadelphia Eagles is wildly banged up. So if there's an injury to the Philadelphia Eagles secondary or the Minnesota Vikings offensive line, then I will start to to kind of look at some in-game betting. The only problem is, if both happens, <laughs> you can't take Minnesota over and under team total points. That won't end well for you. So you got to kind of figure out what you want there because both, uh, both that one specific side of the ball, Minnesota's offense versus Philly's defense, a lot of question marks on the injury front. It's one of the reasons I went the over, though, because I, I think the secondary injury is going to hurt more than the offensive line injuries based on who is out right now. So there'll be a, like a big rushing play for the Vikings and their starting right tackle will run into the uh safety free safety for the eagles just take them both and out. give him a give the safety a concussion and he'll tear his quad while he's doing it and then that's there you go boom. and you don't there know you what, go. That's you a, know what to do that's the problem it's hard because you're not sure which one to go and it's funny like it's impossible to know what running back is going to play for Philadelphia as well. Gainwell got all the carries week one. He ends up on the bench or he's right. out with an injury this week. And so now you've got Penny, you've got Boston Scott, you've got DeAndre Swift, all three of them. And no one knows who's going to get the carries. Everyone's assuming it's DeAndre Swift. And if he gets 10, he'll go over that number. But uh, I would not assume with Philadelphia who's going to actually get the carries. 
Well, make sure you check out Mike on VSIN every Saturday and Sunday, 4 to 7 Pacific, uh, talking all about college football, NFL football. And if you're into any, it's the tournaments, right? You've said this twice, and I, I need to remember this not tournaments, the, what is the it? Contest. Called? Yeah, we, uh, thank we, you, contest. 6 to 7 Pacific on Saturday on VSIN, we release the contest picks for Circa Survivor and Circa Millions, and then have uh, the director of the sports book as well as the owner of the casino come on and talk about uh, some of the surprises and some of the stories left. We'll have some of the contestants on as well as it gets deeper into the season. So uh, make sure you're checking that out. 6 to 7 on Saturday on VSIN, uh, that's Pacific time. I read this as laying the 53 and a half with methane. Yeah. I, my eyes kind of went cross eyed reading that. What is Bethune? Uh, is that one of those fake colleges? So it's Bethune Cookman. Uh, Miami, the Hurricane are playing them tonight. They're laying. It was fifty. It opened fifty-two and a half. Been bet out to fifty-three and a half now. No, I'm not laying that much wood. I do like. Uh, I do like Penn State laying the fourteen. I like LSU laying the nine and a half. I like Oregon State laying twenty-four and a half this weekend. So I am laying some some points, but not in that one. Okay, Bethune Cookman. All right. Yeah, it's one. Boy, it, I tell it, you, between this and dudes who bet daily during college basketball, like during the tournament season for college basketball, and like the first two weeks of college football, I learn about all sorts of new schools. <laughs> Man, if you if you ever played NCAA football for Xbox or PlayStation back in like the mid to the two thousands, Bethune Cookman was one of the teams you always put on your schedule because they were so bad, and you could just sim your way to victories in the first couple years as you like built up your your recruiting classes. Did you ever do that? No, no, no. I used to see. Did how I ever fast. try and game the system? I've, 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 I tried to see how many, like the least amount of years I could get to win a national title simulating games, and you have to like stack your team the first two years and go undefeated, and then you get blown out in the bowl game, and then you get like five star recruits that second year, and then by the third year, those five star recruits you can usually get close to a national title. <laughs> Well, there you go. This has been NCAA Football 2023 on Xbox with Mike Samich. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellard. He is at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate overlords at Racy underscore dudes. Like I mentioned, Blinkers Off was on earlier today. Check that out. Dudes Who Bet Sports was also on earlier today. Give them a listen if you're going to be playing any NFL or college football bets. Tune in every Thursday through Sunday for Dudes Who Bet Daily. Uh, we already had a couple baseball winners that we gave out earlier. Tigers' first five minus a half run at plus money was uh, was money today. So that was nice to see happen. Thank so tune in every day, every Thursday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I really do appreciate you teaching me generally, genuinely about uh, first five inning bets for baseball because it's like um, it's almost like an untapped market. It's like I'm not perfect at it, but there's a lot of uh, money to be made there. That's kind of surprising. It, uh, it's a lot of fun to play those first fives because you can find some nice plus monies with teams that you really think have a very good chance of winning in the first five. And if you if you look at like a, essentially a half run's worth 40 cents, you can find some markets where you're laying a buck 70 for a game, but you're only laying a minus 120 for the first five. And there's some some good spots to look for if you're able to find them. JP Sears, has, he's on the heater. Watch out where he's pitching uh, or his next start for the A's. Anyways, thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday to recap the weekend, talk about the three Breeders' Cup prep races, plus the first Derby and Oaks uh, prep races for 2024. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.